Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. All right, listen, before we get started, uh, just uh, I just got this uh, word. Uh, Frank sent uh, me uh, the text. Frank, what would I do without you? Uh, the updates you give me all the time. But uh, Dick K died. And so I just want to give uh, my condolences to his family. Decay, legendary uh, Chicago journalist for years and years at Channel 5 News. When I was a kid, uh, just moved to Chicago in the 80s. Uh, Decay would be the guy I'd watch on uh, Channel 5, and he was just totally political geek. And then later on, as I advanced into my ancient years as well, uh, Decay was a voice that I heard on, what's the name of that radio station, D? You know, the one that fired me? WCPT820. They fired you. <laughs> I think Dick would get a kick out of me doing that because he knew what the business was like. But uh, Dick Kay, of course, uh, had the Saturday uh, talk show on uh, WCPT for years. And as such, he was very kind to me. He invited me on as a guest. And then um, uh, at some point when he was taking a vacation, uh, he had me on as a guest host. And one thing led to another. And then they hired me and then they fired me. Uh, But uh, Dick Kay was a great gentleman. Um, and I'm really sad to hear he died. He was really good to Dennis. Uh, Dennis was a producer on Dick K's show for a while. I got a lot of friends still at WCPT, and I won't mention them, and I want them get, to get in trouble, but I'm thinking of all you guys now. Uh, Dick K was beloved at that station. I can tell you that right now. And he lived way out in the boonies somewhere. St. Charles. Okay. You didn't have to reveal that. I didn't know where he lived. You know what I'm <laughs> well, saying? I think you kind of revealed it, calling it the boonies, but... <laughs> I, I'm not sure I can identify where St. Charles is on the map. I know it's way out there. And once, once I drove all the way out there and I saw a tower of power in war, speaking of ancient groups that no one's ever heard of. Uh, anyway, so I, he would schlep in uh, to do the shows and the guy was a real worker. He would come in for special assignments and uh, election night coverage and just was a gracious man, very um, open to New people in the business welcome me to the station. Welcome, Dennis, of course. So my condolences to, uh, to Dick Kay's family. And uh, thank you, Dick Kay, for the great work you did as a journalist in the city of Chicago and as a talk show host at WCPT. Your Ben Jaromsky show for Thursday, May 13th is brought to you by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, and the Chicago Reader. It is Thursday, May 13th, and live from my apartment and his attic, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, the return of Tribune writer Gregory Pratt and the return of the Heartland Mamas. Now your host, not a Heartland Mama, <laughs> Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Yeah, hello everybody, Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Save the Tribune Thursday, and here's why. Because I want some rich guy to buy the Tribune and save it. That's why. Okay, let's back up, folks. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Ben, you're all over the map with the Tribune. Day after day, you complain about it, and now you want to save it? You're psycho, Ben. We're going to start calling you Sybil. 
That's a reference to an ancient horror movie about a woman with split personalities that no one except for other baby boomers will get. So allow me to move on. Yes, yes, you're right. When it comes to the Chicago Tribune, I am a little bit schizo. Uh, schizo. I've been known to rant and rail about some of its far-right calmness. What's up, Johnny Cash? That's Cash, not Cash, millennials. Johnny Cash is the singer. Johnny Cash is the right-wing columnist. And yes, 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 I've been known to rail against their far-right, maybe even writer than Cass, editorial board. But that said, I am a loyal Tribune subscriber and have been subscribing since to the Chicago Tribune since the 1980s. Every single day, a copy of the Tribune lands on my door. And every single day, I peruse it and learn from it and comment about things I've learned learned from it on my show. And yes, I use those dumbass right-wing editorials as fodder to rip the right. Plus, they got some liberals on the Tribune now. Darling Glenn, I love Darling Glenn and Rex Hupke. The dude's hilarious. And my old pal Eric Zorn and Clarence Page, they're liberal. So, you know, it's not just all flat earth MAGA hat wearers and raw meat eaters writing editorials for the Tribune these days. Plus, and here's the thing, the local coverage, that's the key. I'm just going to give you an example from today's front page of the Chicago Tribune, home delivered. Here it is. Low on top hands, light foot nears year three. High level vacancies mounting as pandemic puts pressure on city by John Byrne and Gregory Pratt. Yes, yes. Remember that name, Gregory Pratt, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be coming back to that name in a little while. I learned something about reading that story. And and at a a typical day on the Ben Jarowski show, I'd be talking about it. And I'd be sending it to my guests and asking them to read it and asking them to opine on it. There's just something wrong about Lori Lightfoot that so many people are leaving City Hall. Is there something about her personality, her management style that is driving people away at the very time we need the best and the brightest on board to deal with all the problems we have? So you need that local coverage, folks. You know what? If it was up to Lori Lightfoot, not, I'm just not picking on Lori Lightfoot, but if it was up to Lori Lightfoot or Rahm Emanuel or Mayor Daly, Richard M. Daly, it would just be nothing but press releases that the local papers would be covering. Ooh, whatever the mayor says, we're going to run it. The Board of Education would send out a press release and they would just plop it in the newspaper and that's it. Just might as well open up your head and fill it with rocks. Tribune is very important voice uh, on the, the local scene. I'll give you another story. Today's Bright One had a story by David Stewart based on hacked emails about police crashes. That's not the Tribune. That's the Sun-Times. But the point is the continual efforts by all the leading papers to dig into those emails. We've talked about it at length. We had Maya on the show yesterday talking about the emails. Mick Dumpke was talking about the emails. To dig into those emails and take out the worthwhile exchanges that the mayor doesn't want to know us doesn't want us to know about. Very important. By the way, while I'm at it, huge shout out to Michael Hawthorne. How can I forget Michael Hawthorne, environmental reporter at the Tribune? The dude was doing the heavy lifting on the lack of environmental oversight in the Trump era long before his fashionable. And by the way, I know, I know, I know. Uh, it's not like I agree with every editorial in the bright one either. So I don't agree with the editorials in the New York Times or the Washington Post either. And I subscribe to those newspaper. The world would be a boring place if I only read people I agreed with. Not that I'm not brightful and insightful, but you get my point. The other point is we need more local coverage in the city of Chicago. That's why I subscribe to the Tribune, the Sun-Times, Block Club, and I donate to the Reader. And that brings me back to my main point. 
A hedge fund named Alden is looking to buy the Tribune. We've talked about Alden's track record on this show before. I urge everyone to check out my interview with Evan Brandt. He's a reporter for the Mercury in Pottstown, Pennsylvania, whose paper was purchased by Alden, and they squeezed it dry. They're known for buying papers and firing the staff and trying to squeeze more profits out of them by getting more people to do less, which generally means less gets done. So maybe they won't have the reporters to take the deep dive through all those mayoral emails. And maybe they won't have Michael Hawthorne digging through the muck of the EPA. And maybe they won't allow two reporters, John Byrne and Gregory Pratt, to take the deep dive of Mayor Lightfoot's hiring practices. I'd say that's enough of my lecturing for the day and I'll get off my soapbox, except this is a political podcast. And what else do I do but stand on my soapbox? So the bottom line is this, on May 21st, the Tribune shareholders will meet to decide whether to approve Alden's takeover of the trip. And on Saturday, this Saturday, the protest sponsored by the newspaper Gill to pressure stockholders to hold back on approving the deal until someone else steps up to buy the trip. Maybe someone from the local area, someone from Chicago, who's presumably more interested in investing in local journalism as opposed to squeezing it dry. We got a great show today, everybody. Gregory Pratt, he's already here. Gregory Pratt, the aforementioned Gregory Pratt, uh, who is the ace City Hall reporter for the Chicago Tribune. I already referred to his story on the front page of the paper. He's also, I think, the president of the Tribune local. So I'll have to call him President Pratt throughout the show today. Uh, we'll be talking about the rally. Uh, and I may, get, I may ask him a political question or two about City Hall about some of his recent stories. Uh, but we'll mainly be talking about efforts uh, to uh, save the Tribune, maybe get a local buyer uh, to rescue the Tribune. I got a lot of rich people listen to this show. Come on, guys, kick in by the Tribune, all right? Uh, and then the Heartland Mamas will join us, Heidi Henry and Murray Bream. We'll be talking Adam Kinzinger and Liz Cheney and Joe Biden and infrastructure and mask rules and all the other political news of the day with uh, the Heartland Mamas. Uh, we're going to take a break, and when we return, President Gregory Pratt will join us. Stick around, everybody. And now the list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, T-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasaba, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Leor Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader Stay Home Puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news newspaper since 1971. Hey, did you know that the original constitution of Illinois in 1818 explicitly stated that only white males are eligible to vote? Did you know that? If not, don't worry, because that's no longer written in our constitution. But Over 200 years later, Illinois laws still disenfranchise primarily black populations through felony disenfranchisement. Silenced, an Unlock Civics documentary is a story of the democracy we have created in the United States that silences millions of people who have been or are currently disenfranchised through incarceration. Premiering uh, premiering virtually on Thursday, May 13th at 6 p.m., Silenced, an Unlock Civics documentary examines who is included in our democracy and who is left out. Reserve your free F-R-E-E, that's free. Reserve your free ticket at chicagovotes.com. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. 
live from his attic. As promised, uh, joining us is the great Gregory Pratt, uh, reporter for the Chicago Tribune, City Hall reporter for the Tribune, also president of the Chicago Tribune's local. Uh, Gregory, thanks for coming on the show on short notice to talk about what's going on at the trip. Always my pleasure. I think this is your second time on the show. Each time you were talking about the trip. And the one time you were on, we also did a deep dive about Chicago politics and schools. But uh, let's start with the Tribune. Uh, I've opened... uh, with alluding to what I call the Alden threat. Why don't you go into a little uh, greater detail to explain why so many reporters and editors and staffers at the Tribune are concerned about a potential Alden takeover at the paper? Well, straight from the fires of hell, there was a company that was run by vampires that came out and it decided that it was going to buy newspapers. It is a hedge fund called Alden Global Capital it buys newspapers and it guts them for profit. You know, they rely on the force of habit that somebody like you has been subscribing their whole life and is not going to stop. Even once the quality goes down that you will, that, or that it'll take you a significant period of time to finally throw in the towel because it's part of your life routine and they will gut it. They will fire people. They will make cuts and they will find ways to milk it. Uh, It's very profitable, you know, and, newspapers have challenges, but they still make money. So they're so profitable. The Tribune is a, is a financially healthy company. It's got a couple hundred million in the bank, no debt and should be investing to grow. But instead it's, it's, it is being run by it's being mismanaged, but all then bought in a couple years ago as the majority shareholder. And now they want to buy it outright and take full control. And that vote for shareholders is scheduled for May 21st. And so there's a couple of things that we've been doing is one, we've waged a proxy campaign to tell people to vote. No, don't support this. This is uh, aside from the, the mushy feelings that you and I share about newspapers and about journalism and about civic society. It's not a good offer. It's a low ball offer. The company is worth more than all than is offering. And, um, Alden is going to screw over the company because they have the right to saddle it with a couple hundred million dollars of debt. So they claim they're, they're going to buy it with cash, but they're reserving the right to saddle it with debt, which really means that they're planning to saddle it with debt. So on the 21st, the shareholders will vote and we have a pretty, um, vigorous campaign uh, to tell shareholders not to. There's a man named Dr. Patrick Sunshang, who is a billionaire doctor who owns the LA Times. He owns about a quarter of of the outstanding stock, and he can single-handedly stop the deal. Uh, I've actually personally written him a letter uh, saying, you know, um, we believed in you when you bought the LA Times and in what you were trying to do, and we're asking you to believe in us and prevent Alden from taking full control. He uh, has not responded at this time. You know, I actually just sent it a little while ago. But, uh, but, you know, and other people have sent messages to Dr. Sunshine because he can single-handedly stop it. Uh, And we will still be in a crisis because Alden will be the majority shareholder. uh, But there's a difference between being the majority shareholder and owning something outright. And along those same lines, on Saturday at 5 p.m., we're going to have a rally and a protest outside the Freedom Center uh, which is our printing plant to demonstrate for the newspaper and to, to draw attention to it and hopefully 
uh, Ken Griffin and Fred Eichner, two ideological enemies, can get together and say, we're going <laughs> to buy the Tribune. We're going to be best friends and run a paper. Uh, I don't care who it is, uh, but somebody needs to buy the newspaper that is not Alden. Yeah. Uh, by the way, so you've been, as I said, uh, you don't hold back, as everybody could just ascertain from what you said. And, and this is the second time you come on this show uh, and have said it. Um, has there been any repercussions for speaking out, for speaking your mind about uh, the future for Malden? No, I have labor protections to talk about the, uh, the workforce conditions that I, um, my workplace and, and conditions, labor law protects me. I don't worry about that. I am one of, um, and you know, I, I probably sound like an egomaniac to some of your, uh, some of your listeners or to you even, but uh, I'm a very valuable reporter for the Chicago Tribune. I work very hard for them. I get a lot of scoops. I beat, um, my competition on a regular basis on the toughest, most competitive beat in town. So I don't, um, I have a legal right to do it. And I also, uh, you know, I'm not just out here talking about we need to save the paper from this bad ownership, which, by the way, is not anti-Tribune. It's actually very pro-Tribune. And I am i don't worry about it, but I haven't been hassled, partly because it's its my right. All right. Uh, you me- uh, mentioned Ken Griffin and Fred Eichner. Fred, how you doing? Hope you're doing well. Uh, as hey, to potential- Ken listens, too. Yes, Ken's a big listener, uh, Kenny G, as I like to call him. Uh, and they are, they represent two completely different uh, uh, sides of the political spectrum. Uh, Ken Griffin is very conservative, and Fred Eichner is very liberal. In fact, he owned the radio station, WCPT, that I mentioned uh, earlier uh, in the show. So what would your direct appeal, not literally to Fred and Kenny G, but to any prominent uh, Chicagoan uh, who has the bank account big enough to purchase the Tribune, what would it, what would they get out of buying the Tribune? Well, if you care about Chicago, you can't turn away from what's happening at the Chicago Tribune. We just did an investigation about uh, fires and how there were deadly fires where the city knew they were fire traps and they didn't do anything. We have done investigations about prescription drugs and how, uh, the, the whole system nationwide fails to protect people from dangerous combinations. We just won a national award for our coverage of Mayor Lightfoot, which is, um, which is tight. We, we, we hold her to high standards. We make sure that she does what she's saying. And whether or not you agree with any specific article or columnist, every day we keep the public informed. And if you want to see a society with a couple of diminished news outlets and Facebook is ruling the land, you are screwed. Our city is screwed. You know, the, the city has profound problems, even with a lot of journalists paying attention. And, and yet they're, they're still able to, um, we're still able to right wrongs and draw attention to things that need fixing. I'll give you an example from federal prosecutors that I thought was interesting. When they recently did their filing on Ed Burke. They talked about how Ed Burke got scared around the post office because of an expose about illegal lobbying. So the Tribune read all of Ron's emails that he was ordered to release by a judge. Uh, well, he, he settled in this case. He, he it was the emails lawsuit. He had settled. He released a bunch of emails and people were illegally lobbying him on his private email left and right. And people had to pay fines. And Ed Burke, who at the time was, 
was maybe the most powerful man in Chicago who is not Rahm and who is not Madigan. He was probably number three in the hierarchy. He was certainly more powerful in 2018 than the governor. He was more powerful than... uh, And so, um, and you know, the Tribune did an expose and he got scared because uh, he knew that that the Tribune was getting close. The importance of that is almost impossible to quantify, but the... The notion that the biggest paper might get sucked into a black hole by ravenous vampires is should be deeply chilling to everyone. And um, I don't want to spend someone else's money, but it's a fraction. Uh, saving the Tribune would be a fraction of what Ken Griffin is worth or what Fred Eichner is worth. Uh, it's probably a fraction of what you're worth too, you know, but uh, <laughs> everyone knows you're loaded. But the, uh, uh, no, uh, it is, it is, it is, um, it's, it's doable and it needs doing and, and somebody needs to save the paper. Well put. Yeah. I may buy it. Wouldn't that be something? If all, so all of a sudden I revealed that I am a multi gazillionaire and I just bought the tribune and called Greg and son, come in my office here. I want to talk to you about your city hall coverage. Um, <laughs> Greg would go, uh, please talk to my union representative. Um, let's talk about the hacked emails and, and the relevance of local press in terms of the hacked emails. And again, as I said, we've been talking about this on the show a lot, Gregory, uh, Lori Lightfoot's emails, uh, were, were hacked or emails uh, that uh, various Lightfoot aides were sending to each other. Uh, you can read them yourselves. Tommy Shuba over at the sun times is chronicling them doing a great job. Shout out to young Thomas. And, uh, I, I think that what's that? Yeah. Oh, no, Tommy's a great reporter. Anyway, there's at least three outlets, four that I know of that are working, uh, go, plowing through these emails, the Tribune, the Sun-Times, the Reader, and Block Club, and plowing through these emails. I mean, bo- folks, this is boring stuff, plowing through emails, you know, but there are nuggets of information in there uh, that only a sophisticated reporter and that's how I view it could figure out like, this is newsworthy. Let's put the context around it. So do you understand why it's newsworthy? Uh, But you're also doing it in the face of opposition uh, from mayor Lightfoot who right out said, chastise reporters. She's like loves lecturing reporters. She's supposed to be, I think what she's done, Gregory, she's going to be a journalism professor. And she said, you know, I'd be really wary and cautious about uh, quoting from these emails because they were stolen and we don't even know if they're legitimate leaving open the possibility they were fabrications that somebody like went spent his or her time making up emails. Uh, so talk about the significance of having local reporters to take that deep dive and go through these uh, emails. Well, they're, they're revelatory about how things work behind the scenes. Uh, to me, um, there's, there's certainly revelations. There's new stuff all the time, but, but big picture, it all sort of jives together with what I hear, with what you he- hear, what you would understand. Um, but there's a lot of fascinating stuff. There was, I thought one of the better stories that came out was, uh, was by the Sun Times about how, uh, according to an internal analysis, sixty uh, percent of cra- of uh, car chases by cops ended in crashes, which is which is a lot. I mean, you know, it's it's a shocking number, uh, and that's according to their chief litigation person, uh, Tamika Puckett, who did an analysis for the mayor. Um, that's 
there was an interesting one where the mayor who was privately seething with, with Pritzker last summer about, um, you know, uh, indoor dining and restaurants, they were talking about maybe we can just stop enforcing it or let's, let's defy the, uh, let's defy the ban. Um, and they didn't do it, but it's actually pretty interesting, you know, because it was something that they had been, uh, it, it just, it would have been an extra step that, that they didn't take. Uh, I'm not sure how it would have gone over. Um, the mayor probably didn't want to look uh, weak because, you know, she does not have power over the governor, the governor's, the governor's orders rule. And so, um, and so of course though, the governor wasn't going to send in the state police to shut stuff down. But anyway, there, it, it's a really fascinating look at the behind the scenes of how these people who make decisions, how they make the decisions, how they come to it. There's a lot of um, PR polishing, the sort of uh, um, butt kissing, uh, that that is common in every administration, you know, ruling by press release, trying to say, okay, well, we're the best, we're the smartest, we're the first, we're the fastest, all of these things. There's, it's a really good exercise in in understanding what happens behind the scenes. And so, I found uh, some of it revelatory. There's stories coming. There's, um, and everyone's going to be doing different stories that, that draw their attention. And that's beautiful. That's democracy. The thing about, you know, the, the emails may be hacked. That's just something politicians say. It's kind of a standard line because she wants to avoid answering questions about this stuff because it's embarrassing. Um, there's, there's no evidence any of these hacks were, were any of these emails were fabricated. It's kind of a, uh, it is a dubious claim, let's say. Well, I have, I, I said on the show, even though I've devoted a lot of time to the emails, I, I have said on the show, there's something unseemly about hack, uh, hacking emails. I wouldn't want my emails hacked. Not that there's anything interesting in them other than revealing my fabulous fortune, which I will use to buy the Tribune. Um, but other than revealing my fabulous fortune, there's really nothing interesting except for me talking about the bulls. And I don't even know how interesting that is. So there is something a little unseemly about it. That said, Gregory, there's a little something unseemly about the way City Hall manages news and manages our view of what they're doing and tries to uh, sort of like cover up the truth or divert our attention uh, from embarrassing revelations about what they're up to. And so absent, if you're not going to give us like real honesty, we got to, these emails help us. That's my takeaway. What's your thoughts? Uh, you know, um, sometimes, and this is giving them the benefit of the doubt, the politicians, you know, the politicians are constantly on first dates and they're trying to put their best, their, their best foot forward. And they're trying to say, well, you know, sometimes I go a couple of days without, without showering <laughs> and, you know, I, I, uh, I do this or that, that's no good. And so you don't say that on a first date. So I, I give a break to politicians and to their staff for trying to put their best foot forward. But you see a lot of BS in these emails too, which, which is not something that you can give them a break on. There was a good example last summer. One of my favorite stories, we won a national award for it where um, the mayor after the looting in June goes to the parking lot of a jewel in Woodlawn and says, we're going to give 10 million to looted businesses. They give out 280,000. <laughs> In the, in the emails, and they, they tried to spin it when I was reporting it. They said, well, because they gave $6 million for COVID relief, and, and they gave 280 to 272 I think, uh, to, um, to 
uh, looted businesses. And they're like, well, it was always a COVID and looting fund. And that's just not true. I mean, I went back, I watched her speech from June 2nd in that parking lot. Not true. There's no truth to it. And eventually one of the spokespeople says, uh, there's no dancing around this one. He's going to ding us pretty hard, but you know, they did a lot of dancing and it's like on some level, um, you got to be able to shake hands and say, yeah, we messed up. And, uh, and you know what, we, we said we wanted to give 10 million, but then we realized that there's a bureaucratic nightmare around insurance and red tape and, and all sorts of things. And instead you're trying to say, well, no, we, we never meant to give 10 million to looted businesses. We meant to give 6 million to COVID and 272,000 to looted businesses. Um, and it's like, well, yeah, that's true. If you stand on your head upside down, you close your eyes and you forget yeah. everything that you know. I mean, let's, 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 let's cut the crap. I don't like wasting their time with, uh, with, with a lot of, um, you know, bluster or bluffing and, and I don't like having my time wasted and, and every administration does it. Um, some do it more than others. This, these, this administration does it more than they would have led you to believe when they were running in 2019, but it is what it is. It's, it's yeah. part of the circle of life. Yeah. Well, it, um, I had this conversation yesterday and I'm probably gonna write a column about this. I've been around so long, Gregory, I've seen the evolution of press office at city hall and the board of education. Those are the main two institutions I've dealt with in this town and it's evolved and they've moved from essentially being basic bread and butter public information officers who more or less gave you a response to whatever you asked within an hour. I'm I, people, I say this and the other reporters laugh at me. I'm going no man. Back in the day, Steve Brown, my good pal, Steve Brown, who worked for Michael Joseph Madigan, but before that he worked for Jay Byrne. He would be the guy I would talk to at city hall this years ago. And they would get back to you and it could be BS, Greg, and they make fun of your, your questions and, um, but the reality is it's not like it is now where it's like it's this they're they've turned into strategists or operatives. Do you follow what I'm saying? And there's, so they, they comb through your question and try to, it's like to fabricate some response that will fit in with whatever they said the day before. It's like a whole press operation. Uh, you, you know what I mean? It's like an ongoing campaign orchestrated by a David Axelrod type, as opposed to just some guy giving you basic information. So I have seen this evolution, Greg. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate, you know, but it is, it's all in the game. I just don't want to be lied to and I don't want my time wasted. There you go. That bottom line. All right. Before I let you go, I know you're really busy. One more time. Uh, tell folks about the, um, the rally that's happening this Saturday. Go ahead. Well, Saturday at, uh, Halstead and Grand, the Freedom Center, we're having a rally to save local news to support the Chicago Tribune. Come on out. Let's uh, let's tell the vampires what we think of them and let's see what we can do. Uh, will you be speaking, Greg? I will be, yes. President Pratt will be making an address, his first formal address as president. Uh, I look forward to it. <laughs> I'm sure the press operatives in the Gregory Pratt campaign will be spitting out press releases uh, for the next 24 hours or so getting us ready for it. Uh, they're they're, they're going to give me some grief for being a little too excited in the beginning as I described my friends at Alden, but it is what it is. Um, anyway, thank you, Ben. All right, Gregory Pratt from the Chicago Tribune. Uh, that's this Saturday. Thanks a lot, Gregory. Appreciate it. Uh, the Heartland Mamas are uh, standing by. The great Murray Briel. 
uh, and the equally great uh, Heidi Henry. And we're going to bring them on. We're going to, you know, they're going to be giving me some grief about Adam. You know, Heidi Henry cannot (laughs) resist. She's ready to give me grief about Kinsinger. I don't know, but it's curious. Will she praise Liz Cheney while criticizing Adam Kinsinger? The world awaits. We're going to bring on the Harlem Mamas after we take this brief break. I don't want an answer. It's not something you ignore. I think you're 100% full of shit is what I think. If you think we were... Fuck you then. Who are you to tell me I'm full of shit? (laughs) Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from his attic. Gets me every time. Ray Lyon, Lori Lightfoot going at it. By the way, that was uh, Michael Girardi. I just want to let the cat out of the bag. Uh, we're not all in the same studio. Obviously, it's Google Meet, but I could see Marie Brielle and I could see Heidi Henry. And when Michael Girardi did that stinging guitar solo and I Want to Be Centrist, Marie Brielle was playing air guitar and she was good, man. She was like, well, well, yeah. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm not going to lie. I was pretty good. <laughs> I want to be a centrist. We're going to have some uh, people. We're going to have a centrist on next week. PC Peter Cunningham uh, will be joining us. You know, he's always good to have a centrist on every now and then, folks, on a lefty show. But right now, I got a couple of lefty sorts, uh, Heidi Henry and Murray Briel. Um, before I take the deep dive, Murray, just tell folks about your uh, podcast so uh, that they can hear uh, your show after, after they listen to the show. Go ahead. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having us on again, Ben. You know, we love this. Um, The Heartland Mamas is a podcast from the edge of the Great Red Divide. Heidi and I are former candidates, activists, apparently also cannabis fans, because that's what was about to come out of my mouth. Um, (laughs) And what we do is we bring you issues facing you at a local, state, federal, and world level. And we do deep dives on Heartland Mamas Unrolled. And you can see us um, live on Facebook after Ben's show, 3 o'clock, Tuesdays and Thursdays. And anywhere else you get your favorite podcasts, Heartland Mamas. Heartland Mamas. All right. So uh, it's important uh, that we discuss. We'll start off with Adam Kinzinger, a favorite topic of ours. And the reason why that's important is that Murray ran against, well, she didn't literally run against him, but she ran for the right uh, in the Democratic primary, the 16th Congressional, to run against Adam Kinzinger. And uh, Heidi Henry has been a big opponent as well uh, of... uh, Adam Kinzinger and they're they always get just a touch just a touch annoyed uh, when people like me praise Adam Kinzinger because he's one of the few Republicans who dares uh, to speak up against Donald Trump and um, one time. One, one, time. <laughs> you know, let's, let's, no, one, all right, so let's break, let's get Heidi's, <laughs> Heidi's view of Kinzinger at the moment and then Murray, you weigh in with your view. So Heidi, started us off you know kinzinger says one thing one thing that makes him a, a like a decent human humane remark a one remark this is a man that's voted repeatedly to take away health care that's voted to put kids in cages that would bomb black and brown people anybody not white because he can um he has a waste of skin and oxygen and the fact that people give him credit for being a decent guy he is doing a uh, um a calculated political move, realizing that the GOP is going to implode and he's a fairly young man. So even if it takes him 20 years to come back from this, he's going to come back better than ever. Yeah. It, at least in his mind's eye, I, you know, don't 
praise him. He's not worthy. A 98% with Trump voting record makes him unworthy of anyone's praise. Even his own mother doesn't like him. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but she could be a Trump supporter. All right, Murray, take it away. All right. You know, I do agree um, with Heidi in what she said. I think there, at least my perception is there is a difference between Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger. Now, Liz Cheney is absolutely fundamentally, her beliefs are the opposite of mine. And I think she's horrible. Again, the 98% voting record with Trump. But the difference is, I truly genuinely believe that this is not about a power thing for her or shifting the whole party behind her. For her, it is actually about truth and the Constitution. She's kind of like a Mitt Romney in that way, right? Yeah. And so while I appreciate Adam standing up and saying, this is ridiculous, this is shenanigans, it's not true. And I, and I, I, I can say good for you. The intent behind it, I do not believe is pure. There's not a pure motive there. It was a calculated decision made uh, to place himself for Senate Illinois Senator. That's, I mean, what he, how can he, how can he, he tried for, for years to get Trump's attention. Remember the little, I'd be secretary of the Air Force stunt, <laughs> and he didn't even get a nod. You know, he used to post uh, pictures with uh, you know, President Trump and Ivanka and him and go Trump, and he could never get on the guy's radar, okay? He's such a backbencher, he couldn't even get on Trump's radar. All right. And when he finally realized that, he's like, all right, I got nothing better to do. I got nothing to do. That's my take. All right. I before we go to Liz Cheney uh, in particular, Heidi, you said something that I jotted down. I want you to go to elaborate on it and then get uh, Murray's views on it. The GOP is going to implode. Yeah. Explain what you mean by that. Well, insurrection is not sustainable right and so what the GOP is asking Kevin McCarthy and Steve Scalise and others are asking uh, the Republicans across the USA to do is to fall in line and believe in the insurrection and believe in the big lie right and we know that that it's not true and at some point people in and we see it in the poll numbers for Trump because they're dropping like a stone but what what is happening is is that there's no way that this is sustainable. I mean, at some point, the infighting is going to happen. They keep eating their own. It's a circular firing squad. And we've seen the Democrats do that. That's usually a Democratic move is to be a circular firing squad, right? But now we see the Republicans doing it. And I don't see how they can leverage their way out of this. Either you're in favor of the overthrow of the government of the United States or you're not. That is the simple bottom line on all of this. And I, I don't think most Republicans are going to do it. I think, you know, we're seeing them defect from the party in large numbers. Most are becoming independents, but, uh, and very few are going to be Democrats. If, if you're liber- a Republican with libertarian tendencies, you're not going to become a Democrat. If you hate LBGTQ people, you're not going to become a Democrat. If you hate, um, I don't know, socialized medicine, if you hate Medicare for all, you're not going to become a Democrat because those are the talking points. They've been on the ground forever. All right. Murray, take it away. 
you, I love you. And this is the reason Heidi and I make such amazing partners because Heidi still has faith in humans. <laughs> I do not. That's true, Marie. That's true. You know, I, you gotta, you gotta look at it from, from this perspective. Okay. So you are correct. It, by all Every stretch of the imagination, the realm of logic that exists within a tiny little world in this big universe, nothing they do or have done has made sense, but it continues to grow. And here's why. Because they are the masters, we talked about this, of communication and people don't have information. People don't have accurate information and they're the master of of, of phrases. People have short memories. Do not people, humans have very short memories. It will not take long before they can find some issue to unite fear and hate. And all it takes is the right buttons. And I'm sorry, I, I, I don't think they're going to implode. Do I think that they're Republican anymore? No, I think they're Trumplican. I think that's, they should just call their party Trumplicans and move on create a third party in gop then but humans are they're ridiculous they don't make any sense they vote against their own interests all the time they're tied to a tiny little social construct because their brains can't think anything outside of that so no i think we're still screwed. <laughs> you know i i think about about the republicans using messaging and what was the the line that um Rand Paul in that thing that lives on his head said the other day about juicing, like juicing an issue. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and he's exposing conspiracy theories to, um, to Dr. Fauci. And I'm listening to him. I'm like, why didn't we think of juicing? Why do they always think of the fun words <laughs> that people would use? <laughs> yeah. The Republicans are very good at coming up with uh, universal principles to support whatever position they have at that very moment. And as I love to point out, uh, they will abandon those principles at a moment's notice uh, when it's not convenient for them to hold those principles. And then they'll have another universal principle, which will completely contradict the one that they had the day before. And if you're just following along, as Murray was saying, uh, as a dutiful uh, MAGA hat wearer, you'll just, you just take the message. That, and, the, it, and you follow with the message. Go ahead, Heidi. That's true. I mean, you know, out here uh, where I live in rural Illinois, it is red. It's 60% Republican, which is a big reason I didn't win. But, you know, the problem is, is that, um, you know, trying to get people who will vote R no matter what. I and mean, we talk about voting blue no matter who. I mean, they really double, triple, quadruple down on this. And I think if it comes to it and... Kinsey or is your guy on the with the R next to his name uh, going against Tammy Duckworth? They're going to vote for him, even though they freaking hate him right now. And uh, yeah, he may absolutely. pull with this rhetoric. His his move is to try to pull enough suburbanites out that think, oh, what a decent Republican. And he's not. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And the only way that will be derailed is if Trump paid attention to him and put money behind backing another candidate. Uh-uh. But we all know Trump isn't going to put any money behind anyone Anybody. except himself. He's just putting it that, in his pocket. It's right. So, so uh, the only way he would tank out is if Trump sabotaged him otherwise he's going to give duckworth a hell of a run 
All right. Before we get to Duckworth, there's the issue of whether he runs for reelection in the 16th. And then there's the issue of the remapping and what will the 16th look like? We've talked about this. We don't know uh, what, how the Dems in Illinois, I'm happy to say this, control the map process, unlike in Wisconsin where the Republicans control it and Michigan where the Republicans control it. And so uh, they have to, a decision to make, Murray Brill, which is which congressional district are they going to obliterate? Because uh, we're going to lose one. So which one are we going to obliterate and who gets protected? And so it's right. Adam Kinzinger's career, and he's is very ambitious, as you say, is up in the air while he awaits the redistricting process. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that is why he made this conscious move, him and his PR wife, to do this because he will not, he will announce he's running for Senate against Tammy Duckworth because she's up next year. mm -hmm. So we're going to see a lot of primaries coming up and I haven't heard a peep about anybody else wanting to run. Mm. Well, I could tell you, I'm going to throw this out there. One thing I've been watching about uh, the Republican Party uh, post uh, January 6th is they completely united around Donald John Trump. They've uh, they've proclaimed him here, him as their imperial grand wizard, the leader of their party, uh, and they will follow him wherever he goes. Uh, that's the reality. And Donald Trump is going to go from state to state, district to district, and anoint certain candidates, bless them with his endorsement. And those candidates will have clearly the advantage in a primary uh, he's made it clear already with in Wyoming. Will? Yes. He, well, yes, Wyoming, because he's after Cheney. She was leadership. But again, Adam hasn't gotten any of the blowback from Trump. He is so removed from Trump's circle of attention that, you know, he hasn't gotten any in that respect. And I just feel like Trump will put himself behind a few who opposed him but only a few who worship him. And so if somebody doesn't run against Adam or these other folks, he's not even going to be on their radar. Well, I think he's going to put his resources toward just a few pets. That's what typically people do. Kinsinger is, um, I mean, so widely ignored by the far right part of the Republican Party that when he called McCarthy before January 6th and said, look, you've got to pay attention to this. And McCarthy just kind of blew him off. I'm thinking they really don't care about him. Give us a give us directions to your um to your office, please. <laughs> That's all I can think of him saying. But yeah, you know, I here's the thing with redistricting. I'm a little concerned because Sherry Bustos is stepping down, and she won by the skin of her teeth last time. So she I don't did. know if they think that she's not strong enough to continue, or if they will redistrict in a manner to push like her red areas into Adam's red areas and give the the blue areas to somebody else. I don't know how they could, work. it could go down toward Lauren Underwood's district, but it Lauren, could go over bust. I, I don't know. It, um, Underwood I think could win I out think, here. I, well, what they generally do. I mean, I, the, you know, I love Lauren. I, 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 I walked for Lauren. I love Lauren. Um, donated to her campaign, hundred percent behind her. She is one of the most intelligent thoughtful, wonderful people that, that grace the Congress, but I know where I live and I know, you know, sorry, the hairy bubbers are, ne- are, bubbas are never, even in the democratic party out here will not get behind her because she's well, a woman of color. 
the the general tactic of gerrymandering, which is what the Democrats will be doing, whether yeah. they admit it or not, which is what the Republicans they do. do. Of course, uh, they do it, <laughs> with, with, and the Republicans <laughs> brag about it. Democrats yeah. pretend they don't do it. That right there says everything you need to know about Democrats and Republicans. The re- Democrats play pretend as though it's a legit game. You know what I'm saying? It's just sort of like to please the editorial boards. And it's like the <laughs> Republicans couldn't care less. Right. But uh, so what you do is you take a look at the map. You got computers do all the work and you figure out where the heavy, hardcore red precincts are. And you, as much as possible, pack them in the one district. Yeah. So that uh, and it, you don't care what it looks like. So like the 16th, every time I'd have a candidate from the 16th come on my show, Neil Muhammad, Danny B, uh, Sarah, I, I would I'd go, OK, guys, could you explain me the 16th district? And there would be this convoluted, complicated. Well, it starts at Wisconsin, Ben, and then it swings down and goes underneath Chicago. And it's all gerrymandered. You know that, Murray Breal? It was exactly. All- exactly. And Ben, you are so spot on. And that's why we think it's going to carve this way, because Again, they're going to remember, you know, there's like uh, 15,000 people in one town and then 20 miles away, there's like 5,000 people. And so it is going to be another awful, nasty, crazy district. I mean, it's a it's it's not even the geographic distance is ridiculous. I think the only district that's bigger is the farthest south one. It's crazy. Yeah, that you're talking about Mary Miller's district. Uh, oh, did it's oh, the evil, evil Mary Miller, <laughs> the Nazi. Mary, Nazi, Mary Nazi Hitler Miller. was right. Yeah, <laughs> Mary Miller, Mary Miller, the Nazi, and her husband, the insurrectionist, Chris. who yeah. had his Christie. Yeah, oh yeah, we love them. Illinois power fascist couple, as we've referred. To. Yes, we do. <laughs> Illinois power fascists. Those are the Harlem Mamas, ladies and gentlemen, they, and they <laughs> ran in red country. Heidi Henry ran for state. That's why it matters. She was running for state senator. I go, Heidi, uh, why don't you just push your message a little to the right to pick up some of these swing voters? Hell no. She was like FDR. (laughs) I love this girl, but she's, (laughs) this is an uphill battle, man. I've come to Uh, realize, Ben, that I I, uh, would be, I would be terrible at being a senator because I I don't think I could give on things that would help people. I, I watch people out here where I live, all these these red hat wearers, and they will shoot themselves in the foot to prove their loyalty to their they will give all their money to the top ten percent of the one percent to prove hey, their loyalty here's to the Trump, problem. You know? You've got you have got a lot of Dinos out there. Yeah, oh yeah. You have a My lot of one of them. You know? <laughs> right, right. My state senator, okay, she yeah. voted a yeah, she's a Democrat. She voted against the crime bill. She voted against um, another bill. She, I mean, come on, seriously, like, really, really, I just. Well, that's the strategy. We, and we've talked about this in the past. We're not going to redo it. But Michael Madigan, uh, that was the, sh- the strategy they followed. They allowed leeway. He, he allowed leeway to his caucus members to vote whichever way would protect them at the ballot box. Uh, and uh, he and on the other side, look for votes that he can embarrass Republicans with. Uh, so you get them to make a bad vote and you just blitz the can- the district with yep. uh, flyers. Yep, That's one on one of, of uh, power politics as practiced by Michael Madigan. And while it preserves a democratic majority, it doesn't do a lot to promote what used to be called progressive issues. I call them lefty issues, but it doesn't do a lot to promote those no. kinds of progressive issues because you're always backing away. Not from- at all. Heidi was brilliant. Heidi, your, your center concept 
um, tell it, tell, tell, remind Brenna about your center concept, how every time we move to the center, she's fantastic. Uh, yeah. Every, every time we step to the center, we step to the right. And we, we have to stop that. We've given up so much ground. Um, you know, and you have to remember, Ben, I'm old enough to have lived through Nixon and Reagan and to remember what it was like before and to know that the reason we paint murals of the 50s and 60s and the 40s, late 40s, on the side of all the empty buildings out here is because that's when we had prosperity down here in the heartland. And we've allowed the Republican Party through Reaganomics to disseminate, or not to disseminate, but to destroy every single little bit of middle-class wealth. Mm -hmm. And when you only have two classes, there is nothing to rise to. You cannot jump over poverty to get to the upper class. You just can't. It's too big Mm -hmm. of a leap. So when you remove that that middle class, which Reagan knew, or Reagan's handlers knew, um, you have a bunch of working poor. And that's what they wanted. They wanted the feudal system to come back because that's what Reaganomics design was designed to do is to restore the feudal system. Mercenary capitalism. Yep. And, you know, it's hard to watch people. Unbridled capitalism. That will vote against Medicare for all while they're dying of lung cancer. It's like, what the hell is the matter with you? You know, so. Well, just look at, just look at Georgia. They just said they were cutting off the additional federal unemployment assistance for their state people who are receiving unemployment because they're not going to work. No, they're not going to work because either their kids aren't out of school yet or they find a way to make ends meet or they can't afford the babysitter and the $10 an hour job at the same time. And the risk of getting COVID and the emotional toll that it has taken and what we've all been through for a year, they're like, screw you. Oh my goodness. They have to prove their cruelty by doing things like that. (sighs) Why? What is wrong with you? Because 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 Hooters doesn't have three girls with their tatas out. Somebody's got to wait five more minutes for wings, Georgia. You're going to be like, oh, it's away that money. Maybe if we paid servers a living freaking wage and got rid of the stupid tip system, maybe you'd have more people going back to work. Maybe you'd have people wanting to risk their lives for ten dollars an hour. If the pandemic taught us anything, it's people aren't willing to do that. Uh, that was Murray Briel on a great riff, by the way. Uh, she will be singing lead in Michael Girardi's next song, I Want to Be a Centrist. Um, all right, let's uh, let's talk about the great hope to win over voters uh, in your neck of the woods, and that would be the infrastructure bill I'm thinking of. Um, do you think that the way Joe Biden has set it up, it will be popular uh, in your area, uh, Heidi and Murray? Or do you think somehow or other, as Marie was just talking about, the Republicans will find a way to sort of turn a bill that helps people into a bill they should oppose? Go ahead. Well, okay, Heidi, I got to I got to go real quick and then I'll let you go. I swear. Okay, they already are turning it into something evil. Yeah. So as if I don't have enough anxiety, I watch Fox News periodically. (laughs) Um, or listen to Fox News Radio just so that I can hear the absolute batshit arguments that the other idiots are making. And today, just so happens that in in a matter of an hour, you had Steve Scalise (laughs) talking about why the Congress initiated an investigation. Remember the shooting back in 2018? The baseball field? Mm -hmm. Why that was not declared a hate crime because it was against Republicans. And I'm like, I kid you not, that's what they're focused on. And on the flip side, you have, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, where is it? I'm going to lose my mind. Um, 
Oh, who is the knuckle? Oh, Senator Kennedy from the great state of Louisiana, right? Um, Was out there today with the infrastructure plan saying, we have to understand that you can't take fossil fuels away from this great nation. Mm -hmm. Nobody has an electric car charger. Why do we need, hardly anybody has electric cars. Why do we need to have electric cars? But the best part about it was he said, we have to start realizing that energy doesn't come from fairy dust and unicorn urine. And I was like, are you, are you kidding? Seriously? So that's how they're going to kill it. They're going to kill it by attacking it as being progressive. They're going to kill it by attacking it as being your fossil fuels. You're not going to be able to heat your house. You're going to have to not eat cows. Aliens are going to catch up. It doesn't (laughs) matter because they'll believe anything. You know, it's it's very much like watching fear ticks go down in flames here in Illinois. It's like, what is wrong with you people? When I knocked on doors and I knocked on my team and I knocked on 97,000 doors uh, Mm. total. And that's a lot lot of doors because we knocked on everybody's doors and uh, Republican or Democrat. And people would tell me that, uh, you know, that they didn't want health care for all and that they didn't want, you know, they'd go through the litany of stuff that they didn't want. And I look at them and I think, what is so wrong with wanting something for yourself instead of Betsy DeVos having another yacht? I, I just don't understand why you're fighting the the battle for um, for another yacht for Betsy. And in fair tax, the thing that they tell me over and over and over again is my property taxes are too high. Well, we had the perfect way to lower property taxes by changing how we fund schooling. And here we are. You know, here we are still in the same boat so that they can bring blame Pritzker now because the property taxes are too high. Listen, they've been high under every single governor. You know, it doesn't change because JB's there. It changes because we don't didn't pass fair tax. So it's the same sort of rhetoric. You know, we have, we've been, they've been schooled and taught to laud and honor in the Kardashian world that we live in to laud and honor wealth and uh, frivolity and, and shallowness rather than depth and caring about human, human beings. So I just really need, um, I really need to see Biden put this through through budget reconciliation because we really are going to have to cram this down American throats. And I hate to say it that way, but Ben, it is legitimately, it's the medicine that is good for the, the people of this nation. And we can't sit here and not do it because of the blowback. It has to be done. Number one, we have to, to divest ourselves from fossil fuels or we are all going to die as a species. Mm-hmm. And it won't matter if you have an R or a D after your name. And it won't matter the color of your skin or the color of your hair. It's going to kill us. And it may not kill us in your, in my lifetime, but you know, it's kind of a lot of the reason when I talk to my my kids' friends why they don't have children because mm-hmm. they don't see um, a sustainable environment coming. They don't see a pathway to not prosperity, but just to being able to survive in this world. They don't see anything out there to provide for a child. Why should I do this? You know, is what they, why should I bring a kid into this mess? And that's what I hear over and over and over again. They can't afford it anyway. So, um you know, it is the medicine that they need. And, and we are going to have to hold our nose and th- cram it down our throats. You know? And I'll be right there with the plunger <laughs> to push it in. Well, I'm going to remind you some. I'm going to do to you what you do to me. I play, play devil's advocate with you and then okay. get your response, Heidi, and then Murray, you weigh in. Um, I had, oh, it was about a year ago, Heidi. 
Yeah. Uh, I forget who it was. And I apologize, whoever the guest was. I'm sure it was a great guest, but it was an environmentalist talking about the need for the Green New Deal, uh, even if it means people lose jobs, get uh, are lost in the energy field. Uh, and you weighed in with you had some uh, yeah. the next time we were on the show. And you said that uh, you, you can't have that attitude, sort of that cavalier attitude about people losing their jobs. Uh, right. That first of all, politically, it leads to Republicans exploiting it like John Kennedy was trying to do in Louisiana. But secondly, it's just cavalier and unfeeling and uncaring to people right. who are losing their jobs. And so there has to be a, a, a different what message put out there. Uh, so so I really think that the way uh, this bill is structured, the way it's structured is to take people from the fossil fuel, fuel industry and retrain them to new jobs, not just temporary, but jobs that will last the rest of their careers. And I think that's the message that's missing here. Why, why was I not in favor of keeping the Pony Express? Because it was an antiquated system that needed to be replaced by something better, right? So fighting for fossil fuels is like fighting for the Pony Express. Fighting for, um, for the healthcare system we have right now is fighting for the Pony Express. The history uh, is in the past. Fossil fuels are in the past. And we are progressing forward. I can't. I can't even tell you how many people I know that have bought, purchased electric cars recently. Recently, you can't find a Volt or a Bolt to save your life. And those are the more affordable versions of Teslas. So, you know, the thing with him saying about the, the charging stations, well, you know, to be honest with you, why I didn't buy one is because we wanted road trip. And you can't, when you go west into the red states, there aren't as many charging stations because especially when you go into Kansas and Texas and Oklahoma, those are states that are really rooted in fossil fuels. And they, they're like, no, you know, but we have to understand that we're, the conversation is being steered by, by a small group of people that have a vested interest in, in fossil fuels and we need to do what's good for the nation. And, and like I said, bringing it all back around is the Biden's jobs program is going to change our country in such a good and positive way like FDR did, but this time more inclusive, more inclusive for women and more inclusive for not white people. That's what I love about it. And when I read it, I'm like, Oh, I have so much hope. You know? <laughs> so There I go, Marie. I'm hopeful again. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could get some of that. That'd be great. I live in a real world. So yeah, I don't live in unicorn urine like under fairy dust. I don't know. That was just so bizarre. He's saying, I can't even. You know, Heidi, you mentioned Tesla. Yeah. I've really, I don't think I've uh, articulated this thought. I've had it late at night when I'm walking down the street, the weird things I think of, but Elon Musk, very interesting character. I follow him. That's one of my mini obsessions. Uh, he, he's revered yeah. by people on the right. Uh, he's Joe Rogan. He's a regular, well, he has been on the Joe Rogan show and Joe Rogan's always champion. Joe Rogan for people who don't know is kind of leans right. Uh, podcaster, hugely successful podcaster, perhaps the most successful podcaster. Yes, in America. We know who Joe Rogan yeah. is. Well, I know, but yeah. not, my, not my cup yes. of tea, yeah. you know? Right. But anyway, so uh, Elon Musk, people on the right love him, revere him because he's so rich. And there he's, I believe at the moment, he may be the wealthiest uh, man on the world in, in the world ahead of Zuckerberg and Gates. Um, so he's so wealthy and, and they revere him because they revere wealth. And yet the industry 
that he's riding is electric car industry, which they mock uh, and deride and talk about how there's no future in it. And Trump still making fun of windmills whenever he can. Was you sent me that right? Was it? No, maybe it was Frank. Somebody sent me a text of Trump's speech denouncing windmills uh, and uh, that's like we dodged windmill cancer a couple times on our trips yeah, COVID. yeah. The, the, the mixed message i just, know and elon musk alone i mean it's such a mercantilist message isn't it law and honor wealth at any everything cost. Even, when you hate, even when you hate what what brought that wealth forward that's such a mercantilist message it's just horrible yes. anyway but it's a, like uh, it's like why do we laud and honor the Kardashians because of a porn tape? Really, seriously, that's where it all started. But people are like, "Ooh, look at them! They're such influencers." And I'm like, I don't know that I would have had the same reaction had it been my daughter. But you know. <laughs> by the way, speaking of which, uh, I don't know if I uh, mentioned this to you. I'm following this closely. Mini another mini obsession of mine, right up there with Elon Musk, the California recall election where they're yeah. try, attempting to recall <laughs> <laughs> and uh you mentioned the Kardashians, so into my mind popped caitlin jenner, jenner. Uh, i understand her party hates her you know <laughs> i mean well she hates herself and she hates the, you know the lgbtq community she literally hates their, their the community she's a part of it's just it's like living in some sort of demented acid tripped <laughs> groundhog day because you know groundhog day it's the same goddamn day over and over and over again right and and in the demented version everything is like upside down world and yet you never get it right it just keeps repeating and, and with with the I'm insanity and thinking I, I feel like that's what hell would be if there was a hell and i wouldn't be there all the republicans oh. out there in california that's the best they could do i she really has no qualifications except that she was an amazing athlete and um, she hasn't been outspoken for the lbgtq community she hasn't really done anything but play you were making fun of her being in the pen Tackle the other day. Don't be, don't be saying he's a, she's an amazing athlete. Oh no, there's no way I would have made made or whatever pentathlete or decathlete because you know that was something that it's near and dear to my heart. Yeah. I mean, I, I did that when I was in school when they would let girls do that. So I don't think I would have made fun of her, Murray. I think I made fun of her lack of qualification. Yeah, she was a decathlete. She was she, she won the gold medal for the decathlon. She looked yeah. good doing uh, it. Either way, she looked great. So, no, but the, the bizarre nature of politics in California—it's a long shot, but she could be the next governor because oh the way God. that election works. And I just had a law. I did the deep dive with uh, Bruce Williams, political activist from California. Yeah, the way that election works is first the folks are asked to vote yes or no. Do you want to recall the governor? If the no's outnumber the yes, then the second question they're asked has relevance. And that is, uh, if you recall the governor, who do you want to replace the governor? And literally whoever, there'll be so many people running in that one. Whoever comes in first will be the next governor. So if MAGA can stir up enough uh, opposition to uh, the governor out there, uh, Gavin Newsom, Caitlyn Jenner could be the next governor of California. Nah, it's oh my goodness. No. I'm so sorry, California. Newsom, I'd have to put you on the banned list. Newsom is no Gray Davis and Jenner is no Schwarzenegger. Is or true. Ronald Reagan. 
Yes. He was an actor too. Yeah, but I mean, that was the last, the last recall that they did was Gray Davis for Arnold Schwarzenegger. And Arnold Schwarzenegger was just off the top of his career right then. And he could have run for anything. He could have run for God and been elected, you know? You know, Heidi, I'm going to say that nine out of 10 times I would agree with you and I would be saying the same thing. Except when I heard you say that, I had an echo in my head of conversations I've had going back to 1980. And where I was a 1980, I was a political geek. I was, very young, but I was like, there's no way Ronald Reagan, uh, you know, a, a, a B actor is going to be elected president. He got elected president. I thought the same thing. There's no way Jesse Ventura, uh, a wrestler, will governor. get elected governor. He got elected governor. There's no way Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's like sounds Germanic, is going to like, he got elected governor. No way Donald Trump. No way Donald Trump's going to get. And every time I say that. Yeah. So when Heidi brings her sunshine and unicorn urine to the table, (laughs) I flash back like you, Ben, to absolutely everything you just said. Humans know no depth to their stupidity. People are different from humans, but humans, we can go farther. We'd never hit bottom. I think, you know, if Gavin Newsom hadn't gone to the wine country for a party we wouldn't have this discussion so he's that stupid that he would do that so maybe too stupid to be governor or be a politician or a public servant but um i don't think that i I just don't see it happening i mean you know but you know me i'm thinking sunshine and not uh (laughs) listen i i always do this when we talk about prognostications i do what's in my head and what's in my heart and so if i gotta put money in vegas uh, and having listened to Bruce Williams recitation about all the yeah. advantages Gavin Newsom has, I put my money in Gavin Newsom winning. I mean, yeah, just, I heard just show. you know, he's got the money advantage, the name recognition advantage. Yeah. He's they're, they're, they're already running it as a, a Trump move, you know, they're and Trump's very unpopular in California. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, uh, as a, like a long suffering Chicago sports fan, I always expect to lose. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, Whatever it's balancing. See, ben, like you have to be like me and just give up watching sports. I just I don't watch TV. I don't watch sports. I don't listen to it. Once the the Cubs went off the radio, I was just done. You know, uh, <laughs> I can't stand the Ricket. So I'm just. Well, though the Cubs are still on the radio, you just don't listen. They're not on WGN anymore. Right. You, you just don't listen to them. No. Uh, all right, we're uh, pretty much out of time. But before we do, wasn't there a face mask story you were going to tell me, uh, Heidi? Well, Something about. <laughs> so. So here, here's me. I live between two really tiny towns, Marseilles, Illinois, and Seneca, Illinois. Really small towns. One's about 5,000 people. The other one's about 3,800 people. And uh, I try to shop local to keep our, our tax dollars in our in our community, right? And so I go, uh, I needed some bulbs for my little Tiffany lamp that's on my desk. So I go down to the to the Ace Hardware in Seneca because I'd been to the to the hardware store that's not affiliated with anything in Marseilles. And I was the only one with a mask on <laughs> the week before. So I thought, I'm going to go to Seneca because there's some friends of ours used to own it. I go in there and as I'm parking, I see Officer Erickson from the Seneca PD get out of his little SUV and his 2XL vest, <laughs> walk in there, no mask on, just like he owns the place. And, uh, and you know, the, the problem with being in Seneca is it's such a small town that we know people that have died personally. We know people who have been sick. We know the trouble that COVID has caused. And he's just swinging his arms and walking through the store. And I'm like, damn it, I have to get these bulbs. I don't want to drive to 
Morriston Menards. So I go in there, I just take the back route. I go by where the bulbs are and all the hairy bulbs are standing there by the rental desk, no masks on. I'm like, oh God, <laughs> I've like entered no man's land. So I'm checking out in, in uh, Harry Bubba in the police vest. And, and here's somebody who wants me to back the blue is standing there uh, with his stuff and he's getting close. And I told him, I said, you're going to have to back up. My husband, he has cancer. And he's like, because he's in my space with no mask on. I have my mask on. I'm just buying bulbs. And he says to me, well, you know, I've already had it. And I said, you know, you only have anti- antibodies for a few weeks after that. He goes, just waves his hands. Yeah, that stuff's not real anyway. I'm like, I am just so out of here. So I tried to call the the chief of police, uh, um, Chief Lamboli, and, and ask him about that. Never heard back because I don't live in town. So he probably doesn't really care what I say. But I said to him, to, to Officer Erickson, I said, you're here to serve and protect the people. I said, I would think as an officer of the law, you would take that very seriously. It's just not real. And I was just like, what is wrong with people? I'm, I'm wondering if he's got his, his uh, uh, what is it, COSPA, CSPA all paid up and maybe yeah. attended the fair conference maybe recently. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying for sure, but I'm just yeah. wondering, we're kind of traveling down that path. But that was my my rant that Marie and I were going to talk about on our show at three o'clock. On oh, God, no, uh, rant <laughs> away. Uh, I, I hear you. And um I was just having a conversation about uh, uh, somebody uh, who claims that he doesn't need a shot because he had it and he's protected. And it, I don't know where he got this for, for 17 years. Yeah. And, and that like, where did that number come from? <laughs> okay, you know I what I mean? 17 years? Seven? I love my dog groomer. Okay. She's an amazing woman. And yeah. um, she's, you know, been careful and her husband's a physical therapist and she has kids and a mother-in-law with cancer living with her. And so she's been good, but they got COVID back in November. So I haven't seen them. And of course still masked outside vaccinated. And I bring the dogs to get groomed and she, um, I'm like, oh, did you get the vaccine? And she's like, no, we just got tested again recently and we still have the antibodies. So we're not doing it until the antibodies are gone. And I'm like, okay, I wish that worked. I wish science worked that way, but it doesn't. Because we don't even know the antibody tests are legitimate or at what level. So it's, it's just all kind of crazy. Ben, I have, I have students. Now we have a school district just south of us that's been shut for three weeks because of COVID in, infections. So I don't know if the officer thinks that there's like a wall between Grand Ridge, Illinois and Seneca, Illinois, that it can't come there. I'm not sure if that's what the issue is, but I do know that we have the UK variant right here in Marseilles where I live. So when the VA home. The well, big uh, outbreak that happened at the Laysell County Veterans Home yeah. of, um, last winter. Okay. Yeah. My dad is a, a resident there. Right there. And yeah. they had uh, how many, I can't remember off the top of my head, how many veterans died, how many were infected. So they all got vaccinated. And then they had a case of a reinfection after ha- he had had COVID and he had been fully vaccinated and was two weeks past. Last week, they had three cases. Yeah. So you can't depend on anything. You need to continue to be safe. Yeah. Uh, just, we're, almost to the, we're almost to the other side, people. Just fuck up and do the right thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. That's Heidi Henry, Murray Brewer, the Heartland Mamas. Uh, and uh, one more time, tell folks where they can uh, follow your podcast. Check out uh, uh, your rants and raves, great thoughts, views of the world. Uh, beliefs in uh, Liz Cheney, but not Adam Kinzinger, all that good stuff. Go ahead. 
So you can find us at heartlandmamas, M-A-M-A-S.com, all podcast platforms, YouTube, uh, Facebook today at three o'clock, every Tuesday and Thursday at three o'clock, part of the uh, Dumbcast USA network. And we have an independent radio show called Heartland Mamas Unrolled next week featuring Dr. DeVay from Ottawa, Illinois. So... <laughs> And you have a super cool T-shirt. Uh, folks can't see this, obviously, because yes. we don't have the cameras on, but I can see it uh, over Heidi's shoulder. It says, the Heartland Moms, I want a shirt like that. It's got sunflowers uh, on it. You're going to get yeah. one. You and Dennis. I will probably wear one. Heidi. My Heartland Mamas T-shirt. Uh, we'll get you a hat with Heartland Mamas on the bill. Oh, that would be awesome. Like your yeah. one. <laughs> Uh, Heidi, I was hoping you can uh, explain something for us real quick. You said it a few times. Uh, Harry Bubba? What is that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you kept saying, I'm like, what is that? Can you describe for everybody a Harry Bubba? Have you ever been to a car show? Absolutely. Or, or a tractor pool? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, county Fair. Okay. I know a Harry Bubba. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's a Harry Bubba. <laughs> Harry. Yep. Uh, and those what, are three points. Generally, they have out, a, so. an oversized truck to compensate for an undersized. With a pair of plastic testicles hanging from them. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Oh, the plastic or the testicles. metal ones. That's a Harry Bubba. Yeah. Um, by the way, we will. Uh, D- Dennis was asking me before the show if I've ever been on a horse. I think he asked me, have you, been, have you ever rode a horse? Uh, and Heidi Henry is. Uh, is trains people teaches them how to ride horses she's a horse breeder she loves i think there's a saddle behind her somewhere in that barn of hers uh and she loves horses ladies and gentlemen so i had to tell dennis very honestly i'm not sure if you could technically say i rode the horse i got on the horse did not like it and then the horse moved and i go get me off this freaking horse And Dennis said, since I was on the horse while it was moving, that technically I rode the horse. That's true. So. I'd, I'd say it's, yeah. 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 In our current language, being woefully insufficient, you did ride the horse. I mean, <laughs> if I were Donald Trump, I would turn that into I rode in the Kentucky Derby, and I was the winner of the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> and you didn't juice at yes, all. Didn't <laughs> at all. All right. Heidi Henry Murray Brill, thank you, thank you very us, much. Man. Absolutely. It's always a blast. Thanks, the Heartland Steve. Mamas. And I also want to thank uh, Gregory Pratt from the Chicago Tribune. Great job he did. Uh, Come to the rally this Saturday, 5 o'clock at uh, Freedom Center. And I want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy in all Illinois who loves horses, ladies and gentlemen. Have you ever been to a tractor pull? I've never been. I've seen it on TV, ABC Wide World of Sports, tractor pull. All right. This summer, once Illinois is back open. You mean tractor, tractor pull. We're going to visit uh, Heidi and Murray. We're going to do a show there, and you're going to get on that horse. No, giddy up. <laughs> Meet me uh, at the tractor anyway. pull. <laughs> <laughs> what was I saying? Oh, yes. Uh, back home in Alton, uh, as Heidi and Murray will tell you, they call him Dr. D. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. I want an answer. I want an answer. How did you go from sharing stories over the years to deciding to write a book? Good question, Mayor. Good question. Take a chill pill, man. Take a chill pill, man. I want an answer. I want an answer. Take a chill pill, man. Take a chill pill, man.
I want an answer.